Welcome back, everyone, at my age, session 11. And thank you for starting it. And of course, thank you for listening to all the other past sessions. If you have not, be sure to catch us on Apple and Spotify and anywhere else you may start your podcasts. And I'm really excited about this one because going into session 10 and going into session 11 and a few others prior to this, we typically knew or had some sort of background besides really Kenna. Um, we knew who they were going into the podcast. And so with session 10 with Marino, the last one, as well as session 11 with Nate, Dr. Nate, Nathan, as you'll hear throughout the podcast, um, it was really exciting because for Grace and I, as you'll hear, we're starting to get to know Megan and we're starting to get to know Nate as more than just acquaintances or people that we may you know join at a bar or cross paths with you'll hear that grace and megan who will definitely be on she was our, our podcast during marino's uh, session so shout out to her uh she'll be on on her own but you'll hear nate touch point on you know the four of us going into our 30s or going out of our you know 30s into our mid to late 30s you start to see that gaining new friends as an adult is something very different and i've talked to not only the people that i've recorded with but others that you tend to start you know narrowing down your circle of friends going into your later years and i'm very fortunate to say that in this scenario Grace and I are actually expanding our circle. And I think that is a, an incredible note going into this is that as much as Megan and Nate have been involved with Grace and I on a peer-to-peer -peer level and even becoming more and more friend-to-friend -friend level, this podcast is awesome because we got to have a dedicated one-hour session with Nate and understanding who he is beyond the one or two hours we may see him, again, eating dinner at a bar, one of their parties that they host. This was a dedicated, let's dive into Nate. And so throughout this session, I'm very fortunate and Grace is very fortunate to be able to take that leap and take that extra step into being, yes, we're all adults here, but gaining new friends isn't something that's impossible. So really enjoy Nate. You're going to hear a lot of very um, conscious and a lot of in-depth conversation happening here. But of course, we have some laughs as always. So without further ado, ladies and gentlemen, it is my great pleasure to introduce for session number 11, Dr. Nate. It's going to be okay. Well, we tried with the headphones. It's fine. Is that what it's going to sound like when it's recorded? I sent no. And I can hear it tinging in my ting. Well, I think because it's hearing like back and forth, back and forth. But that's just us hearing it through them. Like everything is the same if we unplug. That's not going to sound like that on the recording. Okay. We'll unplug everything and nothing will. Okay. Yeah. Let's just let's let's play with that another. It's okay. We tried something new. I'm just happy they delivered. Cheers. Let's check this podcast. Cheers. How are you, Nathan? Here we are. Thanks for having me over. From someone who listens. So now you're here. It's pretty surreal. All right. I love it, man. I've been thinking about this podcast um, since last week. Because so pulling the curtain beyond how this is somewhat made, every time I go into a session, I kind of want to get like the first three sentences in my head of how I'm going to start this. Okay. Just to kind of get me on like a path. Typically, it's us setting the stage for someone who's like double our age of what they were doing in that year. But you were 29 in 2020. Mm -hmm. which we'll talk about, but it was so fresh. COVID, you moving to Flagstaff, that's all pretty fresh. Yep. But one thing you said to me last week after the Marino session was, it's really cool for you to be able to connect on a different level 
with just another male, let alone a lot of people. But having that really stuck with me and that today as, as I was bringing Lexi in, I was like, that's the thing I keep going back to. So let's just start it off of that. All right, so let's dive in. The question that I have is what behind that statement got you to that statement in the sense of are you yearning for more vulnerability in the world in general or are you more personally like what kind of started that thought process in your head oof um so where am i going to start with this we're going right into yeah. it baby. <laughs> so megan megan and i were chatting about this probably a week before i mentioned it to you so mm -hmm. two weeks ago now okay um and it was actually just in relationship to our, our new friendship between the four of us, right? Beautiful. Mm -hmm. She's appreciated the friendship she's generated with you, Grace. Yeah. And I've really enjoyed getting to know you piece by piece, Nick, mm -hmm. uh, yourself. But it, it came from me listening to your, your podcast here. And um, first off, starting off with your conversation with your mother, which was beautiful. Mm. Um, oh, and then... Yeah. Your conversation with uh, with Johnny, aka Bryson. <laughs> <laughs> Johnny That's boy. His official nickname is Bryson, aka Johnny. Boy, yeah. I love. <laughs> and then, um, then really like your own interview of yourself. Mm. You know that was that was something too. So the joke was that I was going home after working and listening to you on my, cause on Sundays I work alone. Mm. So I, if I find a podcast that I'm into, I'll listen to like two episodes, three episodes during that time. Mm. And, um, I came home and I'm like, Oh, Nick doesn't like scary <laughs> things. And she's like, when did you learn this? I was like, it was on his podcast. <laughs> I love it. I love it. I don't like scary things, but that's true. So, you know, just little things like that. And then we're talking about just that vulnerability piece, mm -hmm. you know, you being vulnerable on this, on the show you're doing here, but just that I've always found that my friendships with males, um, they are much more fulfilled whenever we can be vulnerable with each other. So true. Mm -hmm. So yeah. that has my core group of friends that I have. We, we don't necessarily fall into that all of the time. Sometimes we do. Most of the time we don't. We're just typical dudes. We go out, we hang out. And uh, now our core is basically just a bunch of fantasy football dorks. Yeah. And, you know, Which there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah, oh, no. not at all. I won last year. Okay. So. Hey. It's even better then. <laughs> but, you know, we, we have, we have our, our rhythm within that. Mm -hmm. And um, new friendships to me are really exciting because it's a great opportunity to, to start something different if you want to have a different type of relationship totally mm, so I yeah that. i feel the same exact way so growing up i was primarily raised by women um strong women and, and I'm, very strong yeah, women shout out engaged to a very strong women as well and so my even friendships beyond a few of them have always been kind of gravitated towards girls and i think it is because I think they're a little bit more open and I maybe have always been that way, but I've always too thought meeting a, a male that having that connection is very rare. So when you do find that it's awesome to try to make that work a little bit more. And I don't know. I wonder if that's just like our, our dads or the people who did raise us kind of being a little closed off. Like my uncle is very um, passive aggressively emotional. Like he'll say things to that are, 
meaning to kind of let you know what's happening, but they're not direct. Okay. You know, and I feel like maybe that's what I kind of gravitated, or that's what I felt like I was getting into with mainly the guys, like you're saying, very surface level, but until you find someone who's like, man, I'm just pissed off at my fiance, or I am not happy with this and that, that's a hard thing to kind of bring out of someone. And having a dedicated one-on-one with you specifically, like having this, as well as others, it's cool because during the podcast, you see that moment in time where they kind of turn on. And then it's always the after hours where all the conversations are so much more in-depth than in a normal party. Like with Marino, we were all mm-hmm. hanging out yeah. and having conversations. And it's cool that we're starting to kind of not pry that out of people, but a little bit, you know. It's cool yeah. to be able to kind of talk about yourself for a while and then maybe not think about the things you're going to talk about and you end up talking about and so on and so forth. So I appreciate you realizing that. I didn't realize that I was going to go down that path in general on this podcast, but it is fucking nerve wracking to like, I, I mean, from your, from your position on this, I can't imagine, like, I, I hadn't really thought about, you know, any nerves coming into it, but I mean, sitting here right now, I'm just kind of like, Oh, what am I going to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we'll help you with that part. Oh, yeah. 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 And I was going to say on adding to the after hour conversation, like, we're going to rip that bandaid off. We're just going to jump right into it and yeah. go. Yeah, Nathan's wanted... here. He's open hearted. We're going to just no surface. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's going yeah, right don't, through. Don't worry about me. I yeah. love that. And that's I really I was... loved your point, though, about the strong women because it reminded me that I myself grew up with primarily women around me. So my parents were divorced also. Mm-hmm. Um, and in my mom's household, there was my, myself, my mom, and my sister. Mm. But from her side of the family, it was my grandmother who lives here in, in uh, the Phoenix area. Mm. And then for a while, my mom's sister was also in the Phoenix area before she moved to Minneapolis. Mm. Um, and she recently came back after her husband had passed away about six to seven years ago now. Mm. Uh, so those women were pretty much like my core women in my life. And then my dad, his his wife, my stepmom, is a very strong. She's she's a she's a middle school English teacher. Oh, she used to deal with some shit. Oh yeah, she shit. does not yeah. put up with shit. Oh, so yeah. she taught me a lot of tough lessons when I was a teenager. I always try to butt heads with her, but you know she taught me that you know, don't give me shit. I'm yeah. gonna give you shit back. Totally, so, respect is high. Yeah, Did you that. bounce back and forth between your parents? Uh, yeah, they actually lived less than a mile away from each other for most of my childhood and teenage Oh, that's years. cool. So you were literally able close. to kind of circle yeah. versus going like a week on and a week off, a week on and a that's week off. That's when you go, like, hopefully they don't talk to each other and you're like, hey, I'm going to go to dad's house or hey, I'm going to go to mom's house. Oh, and then it you never worked out. Stay my somewhere else. Tried it. <laughs> we tried it so many times. Like, oh, yeah. Famous and, stories. Both me and my sister were caught walking down the same street, Val Vista Boulevard in Gilbert, Arizona. Um, my dad's driving to or from work. I don't know what he's doing, but he yeah. sees us at two different moments in time of, as we told him the night before we were somewhere else. Oh and we're my on gosh. the street oh. trying to make our way home before he sees us <laughs> and he catches us. Oh, my God. So you grew up in Gilbert? Yeah. No way. Nice. That's so far foreign. You were there when it wasn't downtown what it Gilbert, is now. right? Yeah, so downtown Gilbert, when I was growing up, was the old school western style looking yeah. buildings. Yeah. You know, Champ- uh, Champion Saloon. Those buildings where that bar is, those are the OGs. Right Whoa. Where yeah. Culinary Dropout is, where um, Whiskey Row is, all those restaurants that are that's on the north side of the road. Got it. Uh, those are all new. Not, the buildings that were there were all demoed and then reconstructed. That's insane. I wonder who like owned all of that back in the day and had that land and thought, 
I'm just gonna sit on it for a while. And then now Sell looking it at it, now it's suburbia and you have yeah. bars that are going absolutely nuts. I've only yeah. partied out there once, but it was I called it like the grown up old town. Okay. Yeah. You go out there and you have dinner, but you're getting drunk. And you maybe go to like a club, but it's not like you're raging. Everyone, it's, it's like you loud. totally can. Can you? Whiskey yeah. Row turns Whiskey into, row a, gets oh, into okay, a club. Yeah. It gets pretty yeah. wild. It gets pretty crazy. Um, I was going to say, fun little thing I read today from Uncle Bill Biznano posting some article. Um, Gilbert has one of the highest median average uh, income, household income in really? Arizona. Oh, wow. Yeah, because over here in like Scottsdale and PV, there's, it gets. Um, there's a lower median or like a lower mm-hmm. amount household income. household income. So like the median isn't less. Yeah. But Gilbert it. was one of the highest. Yeah. I mean, I get it. Everywhere you go out, there's a house that's like seven bedrooms and four baths. And it's just massive. The, uh, my, so whenever we moved out there from Chandler, I was in the third grade. And the friends that I made in my the elementary school that I had moved into, um, they grew up on like horse properties out there mm. and all and a lot of those Farming. horse properties had gotten purchased by developers whenever the suburban neighborhoods and developers came in and built the cookie cutter homes as yep. what those friends of mine would call them okay yeah so the cookie cutter homes had you know the three four five six bedroom homes they're crazy yeah from chandler to gilbert are those parallel to each other they're kind of yeah they're uh, not sister cities but they're neighbors out they're there. Next to each yeah. Other, yeah. i always get them confused he's i can so never funny. tell anything not in phoenix or cave creek scottsdale he's Where? like i just never had yeah, a, yeah uh, only until my cousin tasha moved out there there wasn't ever connection out to chandler or gilbert i don't okay. know I just, none of my family ended up yeah. way I, I say way out there but it's really not that far oh i never minutes, never but. lived in this part of town mm. i was always on the east valley um, oh, over here. Okay. Mm-hmm. Ah. And so I bought a house in Mesa and I was 24, so it was 2015. Wow. And um, I looked at a house out this way and I remembered liking it, but my thought was, I'm going to be so far away from my folks and all my friends. But when Megan was buying her house out here, I actually encouraged her because I thought it would have been nice for us to experience a new part of the Phoenix area. Mm-hmm. Totally. And yeah. that's how you guys, so um, you guys moved into that house. Did you sell your house? I sold my house before I moved up to Flagstaff. Yeah, which I was, was going to say, yep. we're going to get a little bit of background. Okay, yeah. so we're going into, let's like fast forward or backtrack a little bit. Let's say you're 27, 28. Mm-hmm. You were down in Mesa, Chandler area. What was the like turning point when you're like, okay, I'm moving to Flagstaff. Well, I moved to Flagstaff after I was already two, I was three years into my education. Okay. Um, I call myself a late bloomer for college. Hell yeah. I was 26 whenever I decided to go back to school. I was actually, yeah, I was like 25, 26 when I decided to go back to school. So I had actually just bought my house. I was less than two years in my house <laughs> and I quit my job <laughs> and went back to school full time. Ballsy, oh man. I love yeah. it. I love it. Yeah. What were you doing at the time before you decided to quit your job? Like, what was your profession at that I time? I was an apprentice elevator mechanic. Oh, wait. Oh, what? <laughs> Say that again? What? Sorry, are you I bet that's me? such a, like, a good knit, niche, niche job. job yeah. yeah. So it's, uh, it's a, they've got a great union. So great benefits package, great pay scale. Um, and it was part of the reason I was able to afford purchasing the house in the first place, that Got on it. top of my VA loan for my time uh, in the military. Yeah. So that all together, 
uh, created a perfect storm for me to get into a house at a great time, which ended up serving as the funds to pay for the rest of my education when you whenever sold. I sold it. I took, oh, cool. Yeah, the 2020 boom ended up being, you know, my ticket to NAU. No way. Wow. Yeah. Can you sell a house two or three years after you I, bought it? Yeah, depending on your loan. Oh, you yeah. Can. Like we, because we were on the other loan. We had to like stay in for a while because I want to make sure you're not flipping and burning. Oh, turning. But so that's with, why you, ha- I guess it was two years. But he was in there for years, two right? years. He's probably fine with even uh, with the VA. I was in there for five Oh, yeah. so yeah, he was in there for think, a while. I think the VA loan does have some stipulations like that. Yeah. Uh, Megan knows a lot about it from, from her, her time job. at Loan Depot. How did you get a VA loan? Uh, I, I was nine years in the reserves. What? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love this podcast. <laughs> talking about that. When the hell did you go into that? It was 2009. I just graduated from high school, and I had no job and no way, no idea what I wanted to do with my life. So wow. I, you was, don't, I wish my brother said that. And I, I just happened to talk to the reserve recruiter, not the... You know, infantry recruiter that was to the desk to his left. Yeah. And pulled me in that way. Okay, so before I ask what the difference is on that for the audience, because obviously I know, but uh, <laughs> how, where was this? Did you go into like the quintessential strip mall um, Navy recruitment kind of thing? You know, like yeah. you always you do see those? Yeah. yeah. I can't believe oh, yeah, those yeah. actually work. Every time I see those, like, that has to be a front Armed money Forces career yeah, yeah, like, yeah, walk yeah, in, yeah. it has a really yeah. cool decal on the sign. No yeah. way. So the one at Fiesta Mall? Uh, no, mine was uh, over in Gilbert. It in was Gilbert. Down the street from our house. Okay. Got it. Okay, so in. right out of high school, mm-hmm. you just decided to walk in and say, let me hear some information. Or did you walk in knowing that you were going to apply and like you were going to go down that path? There was a couple people. So my brother um, was actually, stepbrother, he was in the process of the, recru- of the whole recruiting process. And one of my close friends at the time was also doing it as well. So... Um, with the two of them doing it, not together, but at the same time, um, it seemed like a good enough idea for me to at least ask some questions. Totally. Um, I don't exactly recall some of those thoughts that I had, like as to why I wanted yeah. to do it. Um, you know, I grew up with the typical American patriotism that mm. you have as a kid and you grow up in this yeah. nation and you learn about freedom and all of our history, um, but I didn't have any sort of desire to do any specific job within the military. Wow. Okay. So there are people that, you know, they have like that legacy where my dad or my grandfather was part of these wars and mm-hmm. I want to serve because of their legacy. Uh, I didn't have that specifically, um, but I joined up, went through, went through the training, came home felt like I grew up yeah, much faster than mm-hmm. some of my peers I was 19 when I came home from my initial uh, boot camp basic training I was so young and so but the difference was you know as a reservist you come you come home and you go to your duty station once a month so I'm 19 and I'm not in a structured environment like the regular active duty service members are mm. Mm. and so I come home I'm like okay now I got to get a job still didn't, you did not bypass the job getting got no, I did not <laughs> bypass the issue that I had in the yeah. first place, which was that I didn't have a job. That's a 360, not a 180 right yeah. there. You came right back to it. Okay. So um, I did, still didn't really know what I wanted to do, uh, but I ended up starting some classes at Scottsdale Community College, um, but those faltered really quickly. Um, I was actually trying to go to film school. 
Oh, no way. Mm-hmm. That was Very my cool. initial idea. Is there one out here? Scottsdale, Scottsdale Community Scottsdale College has, right? has a great film program. I've heard that. I heard, I heard they had a really... Ryan, Franny, um, went to their audio engineering class. They have some... That's who I was talking to recently about it. That's yeah. right. Yeah, he went through it, and they don't have it anymore, I don't think. Oh, okay. Because I tried looking it up um, just to like go do something just different and just try it out, and I don't think they were offering... Oh. That Any anymore. of that, no. Mm. Yeah, if they still had it, it would be... I know that they had, like, a lot of radio stuff. Mm. Um, so that might have been partnered with it. Yeah, that's crazy. Yeah, I always thought, looking back, I love that the late bloomer thing going to college because I feel that if I were to go to college at a later, like, even 29, I feel like I would take it on more like a job. Differently. Like, all right, that's exactly how I things. approached it. Yeah, right? And so going into it earlier, I think I... I didn't understand what I was getting myself into. I thought it would just be like high school. And I, I was talking, was I talking to you about it last week that um, when I was going through those college courses, it was, I was the first class through those college courses. So as oh, much, yeah, as yeah, much yeah, as, you were. as much as everyone thinks of, I am smart, I understand that, but everyone thinks I was working hard there. The teachers were also trying to figure out what the hell this half Program and half was. was. Like. And uh-huh. so I had a lot more leniency and can play on a lot of things more. Um, but I still passed. Like I get what it was, but I definitely didn't apply that much into it. Um, let's talk about boot camp real quick. Okay. Was it like the Navy boot camp we're talking like we about? Like movies. you were training, like in the movie styles, or? I mean, it's it's definitely a challenge mentally, yeah. physically. Um, I don't know how it is today uh, because it is dynamic. It changes, mm. right? Um, but it was the four a.m. wake ups. And they would toss your bunk if you didn't have your sheets made right. Um, they would toss your locker if it wasn't locked. So, you know, there's that hazing aspect to it. So yeah. you, you get the mental fortitude. Um, but it's definitely, you know, it goes into the, the vulnerability side of things that we started this whole conversation mm-hmm. on. It definitely reinforces the toxic masculine traits that we are ourselves mm. trying to grow out of. Wow. Mm. Um, yeah, and I'm wondering, too, on that side, like, say, I mean, having that mental strength to see if you did go overseas or even got here, like, had to see anything, be part of 9-11, be part of any mm. of these big moments, like, there's no motion. That motion has to turn off, like, immediately yeah. to be able to, I don't know, that's, that's a hard, tough one to, like, not have involved, but yeah, talking that about- thick skin you got to probably need, oh. Yeah, talking about that idea of um, being able to flip the switch, but that mentality change of I'm I have to push myself further than maybe what I think I can. I I would I'm curious to think at the age of 19 if that would have been good or bad for me because I was at that age that I didn't care who you were on the other side. I was going to like I would have been the guy in the class definitely talking back, okay, and getting everyone else an extra lap. And then not caring, like just, I was so against authority that I don't know if it would have overcorrected itself and got me to be okay or or even worse, getting kicked out and Well, you want to get kicked out. What do they do? You just keep getting fucked with. No way. Yep. There's no, they don't. If you you keep giving giving attitude back, let's Mm -hmm. say, right? That's not enough for them to say, okay, we're going to get you out of this, this line of service, you know, because then, that, I mean, you can argue that, all right, if I show up 
and I realize, oh, I don't want to be here. So I know that if I mm-hmm. just continue to talk back, they'll just kick me out. Uh, yeah, that right? makes sense. It generates that possibility. And they probably yeah. know they're getting some, like, little shithead, you know, yeah. people it, that it, have tough yeah. situations. Mm-hmm. See, I feel like I mm-hmm. have that switch now, and that's what I was going to say. I did lose my train of thought, but I recovered. <laughs> when you were talking about that sense of growing up in freedom in America, yeah. I can't relate to that. I don't think I ever really understood until recently what it meant to be an American, to be honest with you. So okay. going in, going into a recruitment uh, army like I, or like a station, that is so foreign and mystical to me because I never would have even entertained that idea. Besides one moment at Dave and Buster's with my <laughs> then friend Anthony Ferrada, we were playing one of those like time crisis games and he was he knew from a young age he was going into military. Like that was his goal. So I remember him going, wow, you're really good at shooting this gun. Again, it was a video game gun. He uh-huh. goes, you should join me in the army. And I look at him and I was like, all right, let's yeah. go, 18. And I'll <laughs> never forget, I made a pack with someone that I was going to go in the army. Did not end up going in the army. Um, but I never had that, like, um, patriotism enough for me to really entertain the idea of going in. Now I could, the reason that I don't have tattoos, quote unquote, is because if a CIA agent comes to me, like you being who you are, if you need like a, a sidekick at one point, uh-huh. I can go in because I'm naked, no tattoos, they can't identify me. See? There you go. Smart man over here. You can but always be undercover. Thank yeah, you very much. I think I'll do good at boot camp now, though. Like being I think you respect like- and like the craziness of it all because I like really hard workouts. I think I would be able to dive in just like college mm-hmm. and understand the more of the mental attitude of it. I don't think I would have had the mental. I think though, uh, I gotta challenge that. I think you still have your authority thing. So I'm just thinking his CrossFit gym when he has like a trainer. He doesn't like the way they're doing their workouts. Yes, but <laughs> he'll now, come home and he'll like, no, I just did my own thing. Yeah, but now <laughs> I hold it to myself. Where back then I would have been like the guy who overstepped his boundaries. Remember, like I would like to teach this class. You're not doing it the way I like. Mm-hmm. I'm overdoing it. And back then, I would have thought that I was doing the better for everyone, but I feel that through trials and tribulations, it's more of not everyone likes what I like. So I can't throw on an EDM track and make people want to run through a wall as what's playing in my headphones because they might not want to have that, you know? Right. They might so, want to listen to some gospel, some R&B. I mean, yeah, let's throw on some classical let's, music. And let's just, just get that pumping. Yes, <laughs> Beethoven and just get after it. There's, mean, there's people who turn on the fans. You know, Beethoven throws down, man. <sighs> Have you seen those memes where, like, a guy sing in a car and they're like, if mixtapes were available in the 1500s. Oh, my gosh, no. And they're like, Beethoven. Oh. Dun, 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 dun. They're like, oh. <laughs> he does throw down. Um, uh. What kind of music are you into? I listen to pretty much everything but country music. Cool, me too. Uh, I go through phases, right? I mean, today I was listening to Foster the People. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Some bops, I like them. I get down with them. Um, But actually classical, I do listen to a lot of classical music. That started whenever I got it back into school. Mm. I'd go through study bouts and I would just throw on, you know, a a piano sonata or a, a concerto and it just is really peaceful. I it's feel nice to listen to and no words. Yeah, no, no words. words. I, yeah. It's the Dang. instrumental aspect of it. Yeah, I tried doing that because one of um, my cousin Andrew Leto uh, was into classical for a while, and so in his office he'd be playing it. And I thought, all right, let me try to get into that vibe. I found that when I do that, I get so enamored by what I'm listening to that mm. I distracts me even more because I'm thinking, holy crap, this is Beethoven <laughs> playing a piano, or he's like he's orchestrating it versus 
some EDM artist who's just like making music. It kind of lets me disconnect. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't never, I haven't been able to do that. But I have seen a Beethoven orchestra. I went with Ashley mm-hmm. Oswego. That's cool. And it was pretty cool down at, um, what's the one on 7th Avenue? One of the museums right by Reef yeah. Foundry, whatever, um, right north of the library. Uh, it was pretty nuts. I feel that if I would have gone through music, there would have been a point to me that classical is really the pinnacle of a musician and yeah it's very relatable to metal or blues even but when you get really technical it all is fundamentally from Start classical from. music yeah so i am a, i appreciate the intricacy of someone like throwing down even on like a violin but like getting a really nasty classical song off i am have fun that's insane <laughs> from a piano point of view i would love if ryan picked up Instead of like doing remakes of Rihanna songs, that he did a Beethoven song, it'd be pretty sick too. Um, well, he's got a few in there. I obviously. recently heard um, Bach on guitar, and oh, that wow. was actually like acoustic guitar. Sick. And that was that beautiful. I'll share with you the album yeah. that I'm specifically refer- referring to. Someone just with the long fingernails. It's like. Beautiful, man. Yeah, See, what, um, oh, going funny. through high school into, um, I'm sorry, going out, coming back from being 19 out of boot camp, mm-hmm. what were your hobbies outside of that that led you kind of to buy a house and to kind of go down that route? Uh, well, my 20s, I actually, so, um, where was that before this? I was at uh, therapy and I was talking about this concept that I have that I'm always kind of catching up. I feel like I'm catching up with things mm. and it's because of that time you're asking me about right now. So my, my mid, early mid twenties, um, I just fucked around a lot. You know, I was partying, um, every dollar I made was going into the upcoming weekend. Um, like living in that moment, exactly. that living for the weekend mentality. Yeah. Yeah, so I, I just, I really, I really leaned into the idea that I was, I was being spontaneous. I had no goals. I'm living in the moment. Oh. And I felt like that was my personality. But what I realized as, as I started to get a little bit older, that that type of lifestyle for me, at least, um, it just wasn't conducive to actually building anything. And, and what I'm referring to specifically is career. Wow. So mm. I got into um, the elevator trade at the age of 23 um, after bouncing around bartending at a few different locations and trying to do sales. You know, I, I basically I couldn't hold a job for more than six, seven months at a time. Mm. And it was always just, OK, just get a job that's going to pay the bills and mm. let me still party as much as I want. And wow. then I was like, OK, well, I, st- I need to get a job that's going to pay the bills long term and let me party as much as I want to. And I knew that like the elevator trade was great for a career path. Uh, My dad does it. That's how I came to my attention that way, of course. Um, So I got into it. I was extremely committed. It's a four year apprenticeship program. So it's college. Um, And you go through classes once a week. Um, and then you are given an exam after, you know, a semester's worth of time, about five to six months at the most. Whoa. So, um, you know, I had that structure already. So I became, I, I guess I became a little conditioned to it. Um, so this was between the ages of 23 to 26. And then, you know, the last year working in that uh, trade, 
um, I really started asking myself those difficult questions. Do I see myself doing this for Mm -hmm. 30, 40 years? Yeah. There's also the notion that, you know, I would go to union meetings every month and um, just know about the average lifespan of an elevator constructor after retiring at the age of 65. It's probably not. It's like five, six years. Because Wait. is physically though? Yeah, why would physically that be? demanding on the body throughout Stress. the entire career? Most Whoa. most of the time, it's because mm-hmm. of uh, it, like construction work is hard, mm-hmm. physically yeah. demanding, um, and there's a lot of small injuries that can happen that you never actually get checked out that probably end up building up over time. But totally. you know, there mm-hmm. I don't know exactly the reason why that the life expectancy is really short there afterwards. But yeah. and I, w- I wonder too, is this like a like plumbing and uh, I'm trying to think of another trade where it's like you're on call all the time, right? Because there's only so many elevator the service mechanics. Tech. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So I was they, say there's only so many people that can do that do- job, right? Yeah. So there are three different fields within like, so here in Arizona, there's probably like four companies, major companies, I'd say it can be different now. Um, so don't quote me on this. Yes. But, um, check. Any, any one of them, they have three departments. So you have construction, new builds, right? Okay. New building goes up and they buy an elevator to be installed. Um, so there's construction crew that goes out. Okay. But then there's also modification, an old building that needs a new elevator mm. uh, renovated uh, or an old re- elevator renovated. So there's mod- modification. And then there's service. And that is what you're thinking about. Where they're on call. They're on call because it's a building that is in operation. People are regularly using that equipment and something can break down. That's what my father does. Okay. And then, so you were noticing, that's so interesting. I wonder what the, some stats on that. Um, I was just thinking, I, my high school sweetheart, he was a fireman. And Mm -hmm. I remember some of those, we had like family meetings, things that we would have to go to while they were going through their first program, part of their program. And it was talking about, like, those health things. If you don't take care of themselves, like, they're not going to have many years after they retire, whether it be from smoke or working out or their physical ailments from yeah. not taking care of their body. And Another so aspect of that. it, too, so, like, construction, especially anything older than 20 years ago, right? You've got a lot of exposure to dust asbestos is really really Mm -hmm. an issue my dad actually he's he's refused to go into certain um, buildings because they will not do tests on their hoistway where the elevator actually is um to see if like the material that he believes is asbestos is actually asbestos oh wow the building managers will be like no like i'm not going to test that and he's like okay well i'm not going to go i'm not going to work there like screw you man that's That's dangerous for me how much does this test even cost i don't know but you know it's a building manager it's not his money totally yeah (laughs) yeah please just do this for us all yeah like that's also crappy for people who are getting in and out of that elevator oh yeah on a daily work i mean that's probably where it really comes out they're getting in at such smaller quantities that they wouldn't even know until it's probably 10, 20 years later. That's like an NCIS episode. People just start dropping dead. And they're like, what ah, is happening? And then it's the elevator. <laughs> <laughs> um, how is your dad and you now? How is that relationship? Oh, we, so when, when I was working in the trade, we probably had like, we were the closest that I think we, we had ever been. You're seeing each other every day. No, we weren't seeing each other oh, every day, okay. but we would talk almost every day. Oh, he wasn't your. We um, worked in, we worked for two different companies. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. So, Rivals? Um, no, so the way it works is like as the employee, 
you're not rivals with the other employees with different companies because you're all part of the same union. Got it. Mm. So you, you interact with each other at those union hall meetings. And that, that was the, the whole, not the whole point of it, but that was one big draw of it is that like, it's a community of workers. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And so you look out for each other. Yeah. And that's one of the benefits of unions. There's a lot of negatives too. Um, that we're not, you know, there's no need for us to discuss now. But, yeah. you know, some people that knock on unions, they, they have good points, arguably. Yeah. But there's a lot of good that comes from it. And from I think them. one of them is definitely the camaraderie you have with the people that do the same work you do. Right. And I feel like that kind of industry, like we were saying, is so niche that when you get into that, I feel that, I mean, I guess it's not that niche as a shit ton of elevators in this world. But the people who know what's happening with them, I feel like you have that sort of bond without having to really bond with someone. But it's like, sure. yes, it, that relatability is so much easier to gravitate to. Because there's not a lot of people that could say no they way. work That's on insane. elevators or How does your dad feel about, have you talked, sorry to cut you off. No, it's okay. Um, how do you feel relating, getting so close to relating to your dad with this 40-year job that he's doing mm-hmm. and then wanting to pivot left? Oh, I was terrified changed, to ask. Right? I, I was terrified. Oh, my God. To ask, not I, even to tell him. Yeah, see, so right? there's a there's, there's keyword right there. Yeah, you were <laughs> asking him, not telling him that you wanted to do that. And you're, what, 25 at this point? Uh, I was 26. 26. Got it. Homeowner. Good for you. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I remember giving him a call one morning um, before driving out to this job site, and it took me an hour to get down there because it was out past Maricopa. Um, and the, this job was really like, this, this was the breaking point for me. Oh. And it, it was, okay. it was August in the desert out there past Maricopa. Which um, is not by Mount Lemon, by the way, in Tucson. <laughs> <laughs> You're such a dick. So, good, good call. Good call, Matt. Yeah, driving out there every day, it was, it was just far enough to where you, didn't, you weren't justified to stay overnight oh, throughout uh, the week. It suck. But it was just far away to suck every day driving. driving yeah, out it's, like out a, there. it's like 99 miles sure. and you need 100 or exactly. something like that. Totally, yeah. I feel that. And so, the, like I was going to say, then, too, they probably didn't have the roads built out as much as they do now. The, the, the like little highway shoot-off that yeah. goes down to Maricopa, I yeah, don't know, no. I think it was four lanes, two on each side when I was going out there. Is it bigger now? I think so, oh, maybe. Okay. But I know they've been working on it out there because it's yeah. grown so much. But, but I was going against traffic because everyone's leaving Maricopa to uh, come into to Phoenix. Phoenix. So oh. okay. I never had traffic That's to deal with. That's good, at least. Good. But still it was still a long drive. Yeah, yeah having that, um, the reason I asked that question is I am very fascinated but not envious of people who stuck with a job for 30, 40 years. Yeah. You okay. know, like, I was fortunate enough that after the first time getting let go from the Lettos that I came back and I had kind of a six to seven year run with, the startups in a sense, but with the same people. So unless I really screwed up, I was able to kind of hop around. So I didn't, I had on my resume, if you break it out per company, it is a good amount of companies, but it's all going towards the same goal. We just kept kind of pivoting in a sense. And when you were talking about at that age that you really couldn't keep a job and you were partying a lot, I was going to say that I could have related to that, but I really can't because I did have my career that I was kind of going towards in Hmm. this tech industry. Yes, I was partying a lot, but I really was kind of forward thinking, not forward thinking, but moving forward in the right direction all through those years, um, which was leading, letting me to say that I've been in the same industry for 10 years. So it's kind of crazy or the same kind of 
Yeah, we have been the same exact aspect. role. Maybe not the same employer, but you've got you've got your skill set. Yeah, that mm-hmm. skill set kept coming over and over again. And it's somewhat relatable to people who've been an elevator electrician for 40 years. Sure. You have your skill set. Might not be with the same company, but I don't feel like that's a norm anymore. I feel like a lot of people our age, even our age, didn't really go down that path. I think I'm somewhat lucky to say that. But also, I kind of have sometimes where, like going to Vox DJs, I just wanted anything besides what I was doing at that time. So okay. I did a big pivot to the right. And I sometimes think about that, like, do I, could I do that again or would I do that again? And I can relate in the sense of, like, that security. But everyone who was working for that long, I don't think was working for themselves. They all ended up working for someone else for that long, you know? Mm-hmm. Like when people say, I've been in the job for 30 years, it's usually for another company versus... Typically. Right? Yeah. Like, I've had But I think some people like that. that. Like, my mom, she's worked for Honeywell, started as an executive assistant, and yeah. now where she's at now, don't know her exact job role. Sorry, mom. But, like, she's, I mean, a moved her way up. She's been there 20-something years. Yeah. yeah. And she loves it. She loves the stability. She loves the challenge she gets in there. She does not mind working for somebody else. Yeah. Like she has that she's risk adverse in her safety net, which is okay. totally okay. Yeah. I personally, that would not be enough for me, but like I also get envious of that comfortable in their job where yes. they're at staying somewhat stagnant with a little increase, right? Like I I wish being, being I, able to shut your laptop yeah, at five o'clock and just leave. walk away. I shut don't down. want to hear anything else. You I can't got I got a me. sense of that right now, even yeah. though it's not what I want out of my education. But I have that because I'm working for a company. You know, we we do our work on a daily basis. But you know, five o'clock rolls around, and I mean, I stayed two hours late yesterday, but today I'm like five o'clock. I'm out the door. That's crazy. You know, mm-hmm. I didn't have to. Stress and you don't have to like emails at no. night. You don't have to check in. Yeah, That's I mean, nice. I, I have that boundary. Like, I don't put my email on my phone. There's oh. no reason for that. Yeah. Yeah, People we don't have, have that my in this phone house. number. <laughs> yeah, no. We do not have it. This house. Yeah, I yeah. I've definitely gotten at this job that I'm at now. I feel that I have a lot more leniency or a lot more flexibility of if your shit's done get out when you need to get out mm-hmm. but if you need to stay later to get like today today was a oh crap the site crashed like all hands on deck yeah and you want to be you want to be part of the solution to that. yeah for sure yeah, yeah like um yes like finding that solution was my main goal today i gave i was telling grace if we couldn't fix it by six o'clock this podcast may have not happened oh but wow we, yeah it was one of those like well done. i told her it? yeah cheers it was one of those, I have to remember where my income comes from at this moment in time. Like, <laughs> unfortunately, as much as I want this to be my number one priority, I can't. I think we still would have hung out. We still would have. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I, we I would have told you out. I need a drink and let's meet at Zips and say podcast <laughs> in a sense. But, yeah, um, different conversation. Yeah, so going, we kind of touched on a lot of things, but I really am interested in what you're doing now, which is very unique. Mm-hmm. It's funny that we're going back to back with some sense of a marine biologist because marino's dad is one okay but how did you find yourself going into college a and then how did you choose what you wanted to go to college that was just the biggest decision for Mm -hmm. me i didn't know i mean i was pushing not pushed but i was directed into like a business education and i don't think that was the smartest move in my brain i think i was just thinking all right well i want to start a business eventually so i should learn about this but it seemed like you went into it I'm assuming, which may not be right, but you went into it knowing where you wanted to go, so you kind of just hit the ground running, would you say? I knew 
a sense of what I wanted to do. Mm. I had no idea how deep it actually would have gotten. So at the surface level, it was really, it was all nutrition based. Oh, you know, during that, during that year, I, um, so the lifestyle I was living, not healthy. I had a little extra weight on me. I was probably, I was, I was just over 200 pounds maybe. And, um, I was like, you know what? This ain't, this ain't right. So I felt like I just needed to, to switch and get into a sense of like feeling healthy in my body. Totally. And then of course you're thinking about like your longevity about everything. Mm, so, yeah. and sorry, 200 pounds might've been a little embellishing. Maybe it was 190. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for being honest. We were going to fact check you. Yeah, I was, gonna, I was going to ask the you know, Part of being a scientist is yeah. being fact checked constantly. Totally. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, it was, I, I, I got really into, um, I started off with like a juice cleanse Ooh. and that was a week. And I was like, this shit sucks. Brutal. Yeah. And, and I was like, okay, like, what is even in this damn juice that I'm drinking? Like, how am I staying like alive yeah. when I'm not eating any food? Yeah. And then my stepmom turned me on to like pretty much a fruit and vegetable cleanse type of deal. Like, um, she sent me a, a seven day thing and it was like, these are, these are the, this, the produce that you want to purchase. And this is what you're going to eat for an entire week. I was like, all right, cool. Like that's actual food. It's yeah, actual juice. Yeah. substance. Yeah. yeah. And so I got, like I really actually kind of enjoyed that challenge of going, I was going to the superstition ranch farmer's market out in Mesa and I'm getting like pounds and bags of food for like 10 bucks. Whoa. And it's all just fresh produce. That's awesome. Yeah. Probably 20 bucks now. Yeah. I was just saying not that cheap now. Out there at that place. So anyone who lives in Mesa, go to superstition, superstition ranch farmer's market, great produce. It's not pretty, but it's cheap. (laughs) Okay. We'll take it. So it's not pretty, but it's cheap. It's like I like my women. Hey. Hey, (laughs) She's beautiful, man. Of course. Of course. He knows I'm not cheap. Teed me up. (laughs) Oh, that is very cheap. (laughs) (laughs) so like over the course of a few months on top of a regular exercise regimen like I lost um, a pretty good amount of weight but not just that like I built up muscle and I felt really strong and it wasn't just supplementation. It was yeah. through the food I was eating and, and the lifestyle I was choosing to live in that, in that period of time. And you would do, were you still partying too at this time? Yeah. I, I think I really slowed down on how much I drank and I had a couple of choice drugs that I liked to go to. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Financially, I decided to cut that shit out. Ooh. And then, you know, then mental, mental clarity came afterwards and that was fantastic. That was really like the, yeah, this you know, is what happens. What age okay. were you at this point? I was 26. Okay, cool. Yes, and pivotal. Yep, and I actually met Megan that same summer that I turned 27, mm. and was going into this whole lifestyle change. Wow, wow. what yep. a beautiful! I'm such a big energy person, and I'm thinking like, when you get rid of some bad juju and clean up, then I feel like the universe always provides. And self love mm-hmm. too. At that well, point, self love, right? Says, because if you would have met Megan a few years ago. That probably wouldn't have worked, right? I think for both, both of, of you. Oh, yeah, yeah for absolutely. Both for both of, of you guys, because we're going to have her on here one day. Heck you yeah. Know? Shout out, Megan. But I think the same thing with Nick and I. Like, there's no way. Yes, we knew each other and we were friends, but I wasn't the best version of myself to be able to accept the love that, like, a relationship that I was going to have with mm-hmm. Nick. And same sense? on me. I was totally in no yeah. way, shape, or form ready to have a committed and I love, relationship. Yeah, and I love hearing that. You committed to yourself, and then... 
here you are. Yeah. yeah. Meet well, your soon-to-be wife. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you point you point out something perfect there that like there are probably lots of people that we we meet, whether they're friends or like significant others that everybody probably meets within the time of their lives. Like you might feel a connection with them, but it's just not the right time. Totally. Mm-hmm. It's great. And you I love the fact that at certain points when you do find that connection, if you're conscious enough to understand that it is, it may or have likely high chances of coming back. So when it is going to be that yeah. right time, you can. Um, that's a hard thing to kind of understand too. But it's true. Like it might not be that right time now, but it could be a right time later. Yep. It's and like not it's the shut doors you know, or burn but, bridges mm-hmm. and kind of have your eyes open to a lot of things. 26 going into 27 is a pretty big year. For like you. That's um. I think a quarter life I, crisis in a sense. Yeah. So interesting. You point out the quarter life crisis thing because like there kind of was a sense of that for me. And I think it was because I used to joke, uh, it's pretty morbid. Um, I used to joke I was going to die young mm. and mm. there was no reason for it, but that was just my joke within myself. And I think it really catered into that mindset that I had. Like I lived in the moment, like yeah. I didn't really have any goals. Like my thing every year, every New Year's was, I don't set New Year's resolutions because fuck them. You were that guy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but it was because I was too scared to set a goal I was just about to actually say, achieve it. Yeah. yeah, I was going to say, was that based off, like, fear, though? Because then you have to, like, say out loud you're going to do something, and yep. you have to have the follow-through. I think that part's the scary part is the follow-through it's for the me. Follow-through. It's not the having execution, the dreams. It's through. the execution, yeah. Mm-hmm. And that you that. fail or win, whatever it is, it's like... Oh shit! Like it's better to just, because I had the same thing. I was like, man, I don't, I'm gonna make it past 18. I'll be lucky, you yeah. know. And yeah. then it was 21. I'll be lucky if I make it past then, you know. And then each year comes on. Here you, you know, are. Like, Damn it! You're still here and still not doing anything with my life. Um, yeah. I'm gonna ask a kind of a really left-handed question, but it's gonna tie back in a second. What All do right. you think we do when we die? What do you think happens? Well, I mean, I'm a biologist, so sorry yeah. for um, <laughs> sorry Back for check. bursting everyone's uh, religious bubble. I grew up Catholic too, so oh, this wow. is kind of a, a kind of contentious point for me. Mm-hmm. Um, I do believe that there is some type of like not not a higher power in the sense of like an almighty being, like a god, for example. I don't necessarily believe in like, that, but what I do believe in is that life in itself. And nature in itself is our higher power. Mm. And we return to nature and life in its core form. You know, our bodies are made of pretty much all the macronutrients that you learn about in nutrition classes. Yeah. But at the cent- at, at the core of everything, you know, we're, we're atoms. And as we decompose, those atoms return back, back into, into the their... environment and it gets mm-hmm. recycled through nature. If you aren't buried in a box or cremated, right? No, it would still go. Yeah, if you're buried in a box, actually, you don't you don't return as much as you would as right. that concept allows you. And to. cremation, you don't either, because you burn into ashes. And I guess from a everything returns back to the carbon and like the okay. gases evaporate through that through yeah. that uh, process. Mm. You know, if you if you meet someone who works at a crematorium, talk to them. About yeah, it. we gotta get. Well, I know we gotta go it. find yeah. and call around. Excuse me, would you like to be on our podcast? <laughs> hey, cold calling is true. Yeah, we were starting to start it, but okay, sorry, go ahead. But yeah, yeah, we really do. We do like I think we return to something. I consciousness that is an entirely different conversation. Ooh, let's get to that in a second. (laughs) The reason that I asked that question is because it seems that through multiple times in the stories that you've told me, us, that you're, um, you're always thinking either 
uh, very long in the future about your health or like you were 23, 24 going through this apprenticeship and you were thinking, well, I'm only on average, I'm only going to last five years after I retire. Okay. So there's one portion, right? Philosophical, yeah. So then you were also kind of thinking I'm in the moment and I'm not going to survive another year. And so it always seemed to kind of tie back to an idea that this isn't forever. Would you agree that kind of is like um, something that you're thinking about a lot or is that just me kind of piecing together in this the conversation that we're having today? I think you're pointing out something that I may have never realized and that it's less about like it's less about like where I go after I die, but what legacy is left behind. Right. After, like after. what's happening? What so is my life? Yeah. yeah. What does my life leave behind? And I'm not talking in the sense of like, um, you know, f- fame or things like that, but just like. The mantra that I kind of uh, have tried to ascribe to over the last couple of years is leaving the world better than you found it. And we totally. find a world whenever we're born into it. So naturally, like, you know, of course, as we progress through life, especially during these current years that we have, like things are progressively getting objectively worse. Yeah. You know, from whatever perspective that you want to have. But um, we individually, I think, can can contribute to make things a little bit better throughout the time that we have here on this planet yeah regardless of whatever emotionally physically if you're picking up trash if you're just saying hello to someone who needs to say hello to having that kind of motion is definitely very ripple effect in a sense yeah and it's crazy to hear that through a lot of the things that you went through like going through army you typically don't connect that thought mentality to someone who's going through boot camp no, I didn't have it then. Right? <laughs> and so where, what a part in your journey this far, maybe non-consciously, but when can you start relating back to that thought process in your life? Like, was, was it, it the elevator yeah, job? Yeah, well, it was school. It, it was, was school. school. Oh, really? Yeah, so to cycle, circle back onto that, like, it was nutrition that got me interested yeah. in, in education. So I really, I was actually, I signed up for classes to be a dietitian. Um, and I was like thinking that I'd go through four years of school and then a, si- a single year of, um, uh, like an internship as a dietitian working probably at a medical center or a hospital. Um, and I would try my goal at that moment, signing up, like the idea was go through school, become a dietitian and then try to go work for a sports team. Cool. You know, that's where that's where money was. That's where a lot of opportunity was. You work with like just, I mean, specimens, athletes are specimens. Um, But just like I thought it was so cool as an an experimental piece to like assist someone who's performing at the highest level of their Their, profession to make them that much better because of the food they eat. Yeah, that was really Mm -hmm. cool to me. That's insane. But then I got into, like, my core bio classes, my core chemistry classes. I was like, I actually really like the nitty-gritty, like, basis science of it all. And I transitioned into um, cell molecular biology was what I was going to... That was the pathway. And what is that? Year. So sorry. It is, Pretty much just everything within the individual cells within okay. the body. Gotcha. Yeah. Okay. Um, like DNA. microscope. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah. So cool. Then it, then it transitioned into genetics. Like, my, my degree is biology with the minor in chemistry um, but all of my elective courses upper division elective courses were molecular biology um, microbial ecology 
biochemistry and genetics focus courses. That's insane to go through that at such a time in your life that you're finally, or at this point in your life, I shouldn't say finally, but you're willing to take that step of like, I'm committing to this. And you went full in. Like you're not just going... Dipping a toe in, like you're, yeah. you jumped Don't in. Yeah, yeah, you, you did a triple flip off the tallest diving board, and you said you're a little speedo on and your little swim cap, and you're yeah. like, we're going for this. We're it's getting cool. gold, baby. It's, it's cool to hear because up until this conversation, I've heard you talk about this kind of stuff, but it's cool to kind of get the pieces of the the that wall or like kind yeah. of getting you there because I don't think. I don't think if you maybe have not went through boot camp and kind of got broken down and then bought this house and then went through this kind of journey on your own stuff for you to appreciate what the hell you're learning and to be able to truly connect it to outside of you. Mm. I think that's what's really cool about nutrition, especially anyone who's going into that world or what you're into now. You're not doing it for your own body or your own sense of the world, your mantra is like, leave this earth a better place than it has been. Mm -hmm. That's how you actually do it is to go do it from like a science perspective on like a, on a massive scale. You could like Marina's dad, you can go start a conservatory for sea turtles and you could truly see the ripples effects of you helping out this ecosystem theoretically can help out ecosystems around it. And it can kind of have that outward spiral same with if you want to go down right that would be sick to kind of truly leave your mark on this small portion or the big portion of the world even from the nutrition spot you really could you really could help one person become one percent better and that one percent in their world could make the difference of going from c level to b level to pros yeah or that made me sound so naive in sports but (laughs) everyone gets what i'm I'm going on yes Yeah. yeah so it's cool for to hear that a, there are people in this world that are still doing that and just not taking out an AC unit every time that they can, but like truly going out and learning how to build that process through. What's your family think about it? Uh, I don't know exactly what they think. <laughs> They're supportive. My family, cool. I, love, cool. I love the support I have from my family. Um, it, to be entirely honest, like it's kind of, it's kind of funny because I feel, I feel like through, through my education... I have changed enough to where they don't exactly recognize me as the same kid that I was growing up Mm. and the same young adult that I was. Mm. But I think it's mostly because I never really knew who I was and I'm still learning who I am. Yeah. You know, so it's a, it's a challenge for me, one, to be comfortable with myself and uh, being myself with my family and my folks. But uh, yeah, like you asked me about my relationship with my dad earlier mm. and it's not that we're, we're not in a good spot, but I'm definitely working on finding better ways to connect with him. Yeah. Because you connected him with your job, I'm I, assuming. And I don't and then, have that anymore. And the military. That an, yeah, it was an easy thing to connect to him with earlier on, mm. but now like... I start talking about like, oh, think about think about like the DNA of this. He's <laughs> like, yeah, right. Yeah, okay. Blind, good, co- like, good topic. And, yeah, yeah, and, and that's you know that's a problem that I think a lot of students may have. You know, we're learning about this stuff from the textbook level, and um, it's very easy to fall into the trap of just like 
regurgitating that information yeah. instead of like translating it into layman's terms. Totally. Yeah. You know, what does it mean for like just everybody, even us who know this stuff, have this knowledge? Like it's supposed to mean something other than what we read in the textbook. Yeah. yeah. We have to translate it within ourselves before we can express it. Yeah. yeah. I to kinda, put it into work. It's like yeah. Spanish. Mm-hmm. Or- I was going to say two things on that. I thought. A, I really not nearly to the level of you, but I remember coming out of uh, hair school and I went through a two-year apprenticeship program where we like went down the nitty-gritty of things and then learning to uh, communicate with clients mm-hmm. at that level when they want X, Y, and Z and you're just like, but your hair does not do this. But like learning how to say that so they could understand it, not on like the bonds and like just mm. like that your hair is dark and like trying to describe that into that so i hear you on that and that took a while and then second i was thinking about this with you because with your marine biology you kind of have to this is really sad but with our generation and younger you kind of have to make things like the sea turtles and saving the planet sexy does that sound like in the marketing way like oh, you have to yeah. speak to them yeah how's... and speak to us because again we like of course we'll go like pick up some trash and we care in that sense because we want things to look pretty in our neighborhood but like or if you asked us to go like pick up trash on a beach trip or something i don't know whatever that meant for you like we would go do it in support of you but we wouldn't really fully understand so it's like how do you connect that to like i feel like nick and i care about our planet to a decent extent i totally get what you're saying yeah like how would you have you found a way to like I would love to start some type of, like, ecotourism site, you know, whether that's within the United States or in another country somewhere. And what does that mean? Ecotourism is essentially, like, you are traveling to a location because the, uh, the, probably getting this wrong in so many different ways, but the way I, the way I internalize it is, like, you go somewhere because it's been preserved. You go somewhere because it is in its natural state. It has mm. not been altered by humans. The Which, humans that are okay. there take only photos, leave only footprints type of deal. Oh. So okay. like our natural, our national parks are in a sense ecotourism. Okay. Um, but from, you know, what, what I want to do is uh, a lot of like what Marino's dad did. It was like a lot of like on the beach, come, the ocean. Come here, help us while yeah. you're here, pay yeah. your dues. That's cool. Yum. I love that. And I think a lot of us, like, I know, would br- want to go do things like that, right? And I know there's some programs I've looked at myself that were, like, minimal. But mm-hmm. it was, like, thousands thousands of dollars overseas. Crazy amount, which I would love to do. But, like, to even have something here to go for, like, a weekend somewhere, like, and, you know, there spend so your... There are so many places we can go, just our backyard. Like, there are... Like we've got the Grand Canyon National Park. Okay. In northern Arizona. They have Arizona. programs there for that. Like, um, to do I don't stuff know about like programs that. Well, like, that you would want to do. But I, mean, like, set oh, up. I don't know. I haven't thought about it. Uh, but we do also have like multiple um, national forests, right? Cool. The Tonto National Forest, Coconino National Forest. Um, those are preserved areas to a degree. Uh, you can go and camp there. There's and unfortunately, there's a lot of people that go out there and they camp out and they trash the place. Trash it, right? They yeah. leave their trash. They leave the embers of their fire going as they pack up and drive away. Insane. And, you know, what ends up happening is we have the brush fires that occur as a product mm-hmm. of it. Or it's just trashed. And yeah. as storms blow through, that trash just Moves gets around. dispersed. Yeah. Um, so maybe there's some ways that we can go through that. The National Forest Service, they have programs, but maybe there's some volunteer opportunities that we can go together as like a group and be like, hey, we're going to go camp out, but we're also going to go and tell like 
we could communicate with the Forest Service and say, hey, this campground, like, we want to do a cleanup while we're there for the weekend. Yeah. Oh, that's cool. Know, do something yeah, like that, Yeah, that's what I'm thinking, like, just uh, as you're growing in your journey, mm-hmm. like, how can we help support you? And to get, I want to be educated more. I mean, yeah. I have a girlfriend, Haley, like, she does the, she goes to California every so often, does a trash cleanup. And, but, and again, I know the essence of, like, you know, that I'm getting stuck in animals getting stuck in the trash and yeah. that kind of stuff. I understand that logic. That but, was good marketing back but in the to, day. But like, yeah, it's true, but it it's good like, like that next step of like, yeah, it's something we can do here and you can host it. Yeah. Well, you know, the simplest thing, I'm pointing to this plastic water bottle that I'm holding right here is, you know, you just make the small daily choices, um, you know, proponents of like ecological change, if you will. Um, they, they talk constantly about like the small changes you make with your dollar, right? Mm, So we as individuals, because we live in a free market economy and money makes the world go round and the way, the way it is today, um, your dollar is your vote, right? I've heard that so much these past few weeks is the whole Bud Light thing. Okay. Yeah. Yes. It, yes. Okay. Yeah, that, that's something I'm not too the, familiar with. I've seen the, the memes about it. That's, that's what everyone's saying right yeah. now. Um, and like here you, we are with the plastic and straws. And oh, of course. <laughs> but, but to your point, that's what it is. Too. I, but, but we was, we're, we're yeah. conditioned to it. Yeah. We're yeah. used to it. We don't think about it until someone you know, like I say something about it now. Maybe next time you go to the store when you're out of these straws, you decide, you know what, I'm not going to get those plastic straws. Let me get a couple of metal straws that I can reuse. Mm, yeah. yeah. You know. Something it's, like that. It's so but cool. One change at a time. It and really it builds is. up over time. That little tiny bit of having a non-plastic. Because we switched from, I was only water bottles for a really long time, and now we get the big Arrowhead ones. And we just refill waters. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You don't. You don't think about. I know what it's been six or seven months at least over two years since we've been doing it. Oh, I was gonna say when you we first he moved, first moved in me he was king of leaving half water bottle empty. Oh, okay. yeah. 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 I'm for it too. Yeah, oh, yeah. I, love <laughs> I just like it cold. But yeah. now we don't do that anymore, which no, is true. Is that kind I know of, the fact that we have water bottles right now is because we're running low on our stuff. Yeah, so exactly. run to the liquor store. Yeah. yeah. Um, um, what were you doing going from twenty nine to thirty? So that year I was, um, I was in Flagstaff, mm-hmm. you know, 2020. So I moved up to Flagstaff, um, summer of 2020 and started my, started my fall semester there. Mm-hmm. And I was working in my trailer mm-hmm. for school. <laughs> <laughs> so like it. I bought it, I bought a camper trailer and moved up. Super moved cute, up by the way. Oh, seen it. Thank you. Oh, that it. one. Yeah, that was the second one. Oh, oh, that's the one, one you're trying to sell right now. Yeah. Okay. So it, the first one I had was a 26 foot, um, single, uh, oh, single oh. slide out camper trailer. You can haul it around if you wanted to sold that last, last fall. But that's what I was living in for the first six, seven months that I was there. That's insane. I'm going to school, You're but nomad. I'm doing everything all online. So I'm, you know, just kind of my, my little nomad lifestyle. Oh, yeah. you were going to NAU in person. You were no, just doing it online. I wasn't, yeah. But he well, lived yeah, yeah. up there. Oh, I, li- cool. I went up there. Yeah. yeah, get into it. You might as well dive into it head deep. That's cool. I didn't know that. Yeah, and, you know, retrospect, I probably could have adjusted the way I went about it, but... No, that you're first all in, semest- baby. Yeah, you that first semester, the uh, there was, like, my, my organic chemistry class, I still was required to be in person okay. for the lab portion of it. Totally. Um, it was different than typical, but I still was required to be there. Cool. Um, and then... It was my senior year, so I was there for two full years. So the second year is whenever I was finally in person full-time for every class. Oh, my mm. God. And, and were was, you full schedule at this point? 
Yeah, no, I, I did. I was doing full schedule from the get go. What does that wow. mean? Wow. Uh, I did. I did twelve to fourteen credit hours a semester. Wow. And then my final semester of my senior year, actually, I did a eleven credit hour internship. So I worked twenty hours a week in an internship at uh, uh, TGen up in Flagstaff, That's which is crazy. the Genomics Institute. That's so nice to think that at some point in time, college was strictly virtual. You know, it was especially weird. during 2020, you're going up to do this whole new journey. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You want to do this thing. And then it's like, yeah, you gotta bam, go. bam, did you know yeah. going up there that it was going to be virtual or did you go up there thinking I be signed like up, half and half? I signed up for classes literally a week before everything shut down. Oh, oh my God. Nathan, I'm so sorry. So you nice. sold your house, Drove signed up for that. classes. <laughs> you're committed to this college life that you're like, hell yeah. And the universe, the world, the world was like, yeah. nope. I mean, would you, do you think it would have changed the outcome if you were able to be like in person and around people and doing all that? Or did it, did it kind of make you... I'm in this trailer and this is what I'm doing. There's no other, you know, feasible because the bars aren't open in Flagstaff yeah. at that point. Maybe you can so go to a couple of house along. parties. Yeah, <laughs> as we all were. Yeah. But you're doing like you had, as you said earlier, you did kind of make it your job. Yeah. And so, in the the fact that I was able to to live off of you know the profits of selling my home, yeah. I didn't have to worry about work. So That's I was in insane. a very fortunate spot. That's awesome. Where while people were having a hard time either keeping a job or figuring out money, like I was very fortunate enough to just be like, okay, I can just kind of like shut away, focus on school, make yeah. that my job. That was all I had to worry about is getting the best grades that I possibly can. And not just that, it wasn't just about getting uh, the highest GPA that I possibly could. Like I didn't even graduate like with honors from, yeah. from college. Like, you know, I, I, a respectable 3.8 GPA, but... Um, it's a very good GPA. Well, so <laughs> here's, here's the damn issue with, like... And I'm going to talk some smack about NAU right now. Good um, so, like, the... the What is it? Summa, magna, cum laude, like, those two yeah. levels. I don't know which one is top or bottom. But either way, like, it required a 3.95 GPA just to get, like, the second tier of that, which I think is Summa. And then Magna was, like, 3.99. I'm like, okay, Jeez. screw that. Like, and you I got so 1B or 1C, and I'm just, like, fucked. A 3.99 yeah. is legitly straight A's, like, 99% well, of each so class. so the bio program was loaded with pre-med students. Uh, like, I was the minority for not being pre-med. Because they were there to then go on to their next chapter. Yeah, so everyone in all my courses that I worked with... Like, what are you going to do? Doctor? Everyone's going to go to medical school. Yeah. Oh. So it's ultra competitive, and everyone's trying to get straight A's or get, like, you know, uh, what's the the upper scale? Were like you the cool kid uh, if you were, I guess, in the classroom? You'd be the cool kid in the back corner with your feet up, just, like, still... Oh, I was front row. I was asking uh, all the damn oh, questions. Okay. I was <laughs> annoying. That, that was so annoying. That's what I wish I was. Like, now it would be that person in college. Like, front row, we're getting into You it. don't care I what anyone else thinks. No, like, yeah. I don't care. It, exactly. I, no. don't I found myself asking think. questions that everyone had. See, yeah, and we exactly need I'd ask exactly. the question, and then someone next to me would be like, thanks for asking that. Right. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. And that, I think that's the difference going to college at nineteen twenty and going to college mid twenties. Yes. Like, Could not agree more. Like having the ability I um just heard something recently from a wealthy older gentleman in his sixties that he said in the twenties you care about what people think about you. In your forties you start to um you start to not care about 
what people think about you. And okay. in your 60s, you realize that no one is thinking about you. Like, no one really cares, like, at that moment in time, which I guess obviously they do. But, like, in that classroom, you think everyone's going to remember you in 20 years, but the odds of that happening are pretty yeah. slim. So just ask the questions. Yeah. Be up in the front. And I think that's the real root of, of course, hindsight's always twenty twenty, but having the... Um, ability to realize that at such a young age, I respect from a lot of the people that I did go to college with. Or there was a guy in high school that was going through these college classes. All he wanted to be was a doctor, like that was his goal. And he is a doctor now. Okay, I was it's gonna, is he awesome. a doctor? It's pretty badass for him to be like, I went through it, I did it, and because he went through these college classes, he was two years earlier than everyone. Like it was cool for him to say, I'm doubling down on this. But that takes kind of a sick motherfucker to do that. Or, in a, or disciplined special, parents yeah, at home. Yeah, you've got a lot of nuances. Life. Oh, my for God, sure. yeah. The goal-oriented, maybe some discipline from the parents or just discipline within themselves. Selves, yeah. yeah. I feel like that. your nephew Carter would do that because he just hates losing. Well, the problem with or my nephew Carter... hates, like, not Carter, being the best. Yeah, I mean, my sister's listening to this. The problem Love that you, I'm Vanessa. worried about my nephew Carter is that my sister and my brother-in-law and him are very sports-oriented. They're putting a lot of um, time and effort into baseball. Mm-hmm. And I've seen two or three people in my life do the same exact thing and then get to pretty much pro and then have a shoulder blowout or their foot break and... Just like that. World of depression. Everything yeah. is just shot, you know? Mm-hmm. And I think I'm wor- I'm not worried because you're right. Carter's very Carter bright. Carter is such a different, yeah, he's, species. He is he's so, a species. He is so competitive that in sports that it does relate to his schooling. But he's also going into high school. And me going from eighth grade to yeah. freshman year. This will be like the telltale for this sure. This will be the, okay, like, your your parents have brought you into a scenario that are very pro health and pro discipline and you know wanting to move forward in life but his Carter's uncle my brother-in-law's nephew was that way he went all through college ever since I knew the guy it was all baseball 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 and then he blew his shoulder out and he's not doing wow. anything now and so like having so much weight on something that's so razor thin probability is terrifying. I hope he does continue well, to see. I will say I'll give too. a little shout out though. They have other hobbies though. Like this trading and his little business stuff that he does not little. Yes. He has he is a business mind. So that's Yeah, he is a little yeah, a little Yeah, shark. he has a little side he yeah. has that. But he's still, the kind of kid that will buy a Kit Kat and split it in half and, and then put him in separate bags $2. and sell it for one each. Like he's or that yeah, kind of business guy, yeah, you know, like really having good. that little that extra yeah. kind of. But he, I guess, would be. I'm eating the whole Kit Kat. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> totally, totally. Uh, I so bought funny. this. I'm having it. I, I used totally to do that with gel it. pens. Costco, for Christmas, so for I would get those huge packs of those glitter gel pens yeah. from grandparents, and then I would sell them for like oh a dollar a piece nice. or fifty cents Good a piece. For you. Yeah. I was. I don't know what I did with I that money, but. A good salesperson. Yeah. I wasn't because yeah. I spent it. Okay. So well, I no, mean, no, that's the, I you did got the it. Money. Yeah, but I, think I was, couldn't get the money. Oh, see, I don't I'd mind getting like, the hey, money. You want this? And they tell me no. I'd be like, okay, cool. Yeah, I see. Yeah. Yeah. I don't mind the money yeah. part. It was more of the uh, oh, I should save this, but no. Yeah. I so yeah. we definitely yeah. touched on a lot. Yeah. Um, how do you feel looking back at like your twenty-nine to thirtieth transition? 
Because I definitely feel in, like your quarter life transition was pretty intense. That was a, there were a lot, 25, yeah. 25, 26. Yeah. Seems like 29, 30, and 31 also kind of pivoted into a big, not life-changing decision, but pretty, like, substantial decision. Mm-hmm. Being who you are today, looking back towards all of that, what's it make you feel like? Like, Well, I'd, I'd like to actually just touch on the, uh, the, the marine bio thing that you're bringing up. Yeah. And my 30th birthday specifically. Cool. So my 30th birthday I spent in the uh, Caribbean Ocean or Caribbean Sea, excuse me, uh, Caribbean Sea spearfishing lionfish. Oh, Whoa. that's so lionfish. cool. Is Did that you... the real spiky yeah. um, brown and goldish yep. kind of things? Okay. Yeah, yeah. they're invasive to you. the Caribbean. <laughs> yeah, okay. So they are just completely just destroying these reefs along with climate change, you know, heat yeah. and over acidification of the oceans, things like that. There's a whole bunch of components, but the lionfish specifically are an invasive, invasive species. They eat so much of the small juvenile fish among the reefs. Whoa. Um, so there's an organization that I volunteered. You know, it was one of these ecotourism things. You know, you mm-hmm. paid to go out there. But for four weeks, I was out there. Uh, I learned how to dive. I did about 40-plus dives over the course of four weeks. Whoa. Wow. In the water. That's yeah. With them. four weeks. Holy uh, moly. And, you know, we'd go out there with... Uh, Literally just a spear on a rubber band and spear just, the fish whoa. in the water. Oh, We'd my gosh. Diving around. And then do you have to them. pick them up like after? Oh, yeah. We ate them. Th- oh, oh, they good? Oh, they're delicious. No oh. way. I had some of the best whitefish curry with lionfish as the meat source. Whoa. Wow. And they're just a, an abundance over there. So you might yep. as well just eat them. A yeah. bunch. And it's lean and mean. That's All so right. cool with those eco, um, what'd you call them? Tourists. Eco tourism. Yeah. So I think. Um, Technically, one of my good buddies, his name is Jake. Uh, I used to work with him at Freight Waves, and now um, after he got let go during Freight Waves, he had this, what's a um, fully natural farm, like um, restorative, regenerative farming? Yeah. Where it's 100% parasite and pesticide-free. It's all 100% natural out on Maui. And so he does these kind of things where... I would have meetings with him when he was working for Freight Waves, mm-hmm. and he would be like in a tank top, sitting at the desk, and then there'd <laughs> be like six people behind him, like shucking things and cleaning beats and like doing all the things. And he would, they would get, I can't, I don't want to say his college course credits, but maybe at uh, some sort of currency. All the volunteers are out there working. Oh, yeah, all the volunteers. Would be, so that he has a site, kind of like the Woofers in a sense. Have you heard of them? No. Woofing, um, uh. woofing is. Worldwide organization of farming, I want to so say. They go it is. work on the land. Okay. And, and so they don't paid, get paid, they just but they get stay. Um, they get somewhere experience to, yeah, experience somewhere to stay, minimal food. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, um, but that farm that he has, people go to Maui and using like SEO and like word of mouth, people will come to his farm and they have a full farm tour that's extremely um, Hawaiian based back to the olden days of growing taro. That is so and, cool. And then he has food marts that he takes his taro, he gets local uh, produce and meat. And then on Sundays, he goes to a uh, mart, and it's these tacos that he sells with taro root. Have you ever heard of that? Yeah. So he makes um, naturally gluten-free and soy-free mm-hmm. and all these different frees, mashes them into tortillas, and they're incredible. He makes tacos. Here. 
yeah, they make tacos out of them, but it's 100% all natural from Hawaiian. And I never I mean, thought about it. I, I mean, that's how he makes his main income is these people coming in from all over the world to go do this tourism. Yeah. But that's just being a tour and, like, understanding the earth, flipping it on its head and being like, no, you're going to go out and kill some sea lions. We love the sea lions. When <laughs> yeah, first don't kill sea the fish, sea lions. I thought, damn, he's spearing sea lions. Like, no, <laughs> a different. Yeah. Um, but it's good to hear that I feel that you're happy. Like it, it feels it was, like this is the authentic you that you're getting to. It was really that age. turning point. It was that turning point. One, you know, it was that 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 thirtieth year type of crisis that some people tend to have. I don't know if you've talked to anybody that is like, yeah, I turned thirty and I freaked out yeah, mentally. Yeah, some stuff I'm like that. It. <laughs> my, my freak out was like, I'm in the water and I was like, I'm just gonna keep killing these lionfish because I'm thirty <laughs> years old today. <laughs> I think I like, like it'll move I remember the kid in my dive group. There was four of us in our dive group at that moment, and then we came out, and I was like, "Why didn't you want to take the spear from me?" He's like, "Dude, you were in the zone. That's so cool. He's like, you killed more than I thought I'd ever see in one day. And, I mean, it was like ten. I mean, yeah, yeah, still, yeah. it's like but I yeah. just like felt like I couldn't miss. Oh my gosh, it's cool. It's cool to hear that. Going it, to, to your point, I am excited to have more females on because from a male point of view, from the people that I've interviewed, not a lot of people have hit the 29 to 30, oh my God stage. Mm -hmm. I personally, that my quarter life crisis was a big deal for me. I felt like going into that is way heavier than going into 30. I'm excited to have more females on and women. I feel, without talking to those women, that 30 is a pretty yeah, big year for women. <laughs> Treading waters lightly. Yes. But I'm excited to hear that, too. But from your point of view, it is really cool to hear that you seem very full in a good way, though. Mm, like, your cup's yeah. being filled in multiple different and I think points of your life. And I see, and again, we have the privilege meeting on the other side of mm. your mm -hmm. crisis, right? And, and extended years after, but uh, you feel like you're it's yourself like i don't like you are in your own skin thank you with yeah. that i wouldn't have thought you any other way like obviously we were like young punks and did some stupid shit when we were kids but like kids as in young 20s i'd say but like yeah i wouldn't have expected you to be anything different yeah. this is who you are like, oh we go is, through phases right? we oh do. absolutely yeah. but like, like i still catch myself from time to time just like going into a funk Megan calls me out. Yeah, that's why I'm married. We're allowed to have funks. Hey, yeah. hey, hey. Oh, because yeah. we're big dreamers. We yes. have one. We have a big footprint we want to leave. Yeah. Speaking of dreaming, it's overwhelming. What are you gonna in your like four year plan? I know back in the day, oh, you four, didn't yeah, want it, like but that. it's like a four year plan. Okay. Like, what are you thinking? Ideally, um, yeah. I so you know the work that I'm currently doing. Uh, you know, I'm not even doing anything in the marine centric side of things, but the skill set I'm learning in my current job. So. I'm learning chemistry work and I'm learning uh, genetics-centric uh, biology work. Wow. Mm. Um, so that experience is what I will always have to, like, set as my foundation. Cool. So the cool part about science as a career path is that even though I'm not working in, like, marine science right now, I know that the skills I'm learning is going to apply whenever I do get into the marine science-focused mm. okay. lab. Because you can do genetics work from a mold spore right now that I'm currently working with. And that is still translatable to, like, let's say, a coral genome. Cool. Because, like, 
the the breakdown process of getting the cell to extracting the DNA, that's different from organism to organism, but throwing it on the machine and knowing exactly the mechanisms involved to make that genome amplify so that you can see it and read it at a on a computer, let's say, that is translatable. Mm. Cool. So you can bounce around. Yeah, yeah. You can if do you, these different things. I had a mentor tell me when I was working uh, in my internship, shout out to Heather Mead, um, Dr. Mead. There it is. Yes. <laughs> she told me if you get skilled in genetics, like you will find a job anywhere. Hell yeah. Mm. And that, I think that's the truth. Like we only unlocked the human genome less than 30 years ago. It's it actually just like 24. Three, 24 years ago. Yeah. Right? Wow. So it's still so new. So we still have so much to learn about like what understanding the genetic code is when it comes to life. And that's not to say that like we can manipulate it. I'm not a proponent of manipulating it by any means, but nature has a way of figuring things out on our own. Mm. And we as humans, we can just kind of help facilitate a little bit, nudge it along, but for don't good change and bad. Anything. Yeah, don't change right. anything, but like, you know, let's see what it hap- what happens after a little nudging here. Um yeah. why haven't or I guess I haven't thought about this, but like we're all using AI for the dumbest things in the world, <laughs> like a Drake and Weekend song that just went viral and it was a hundred percent fake, but everyone loved it. And what, they really? Yeah. So a few days ago on the seventeenth, someone made a Drake and Weekend song. A hundred percent fake. Chat like, GPT. Nothing. <laughs> yes. Well, no. Now there's things that will actually make the music. So this oh, was a legit yeah. two and a half minute full blown everything. With their vocals. Yeah, but no, with their vocals, but they oh. were Those systems fake. only need like a few seconds of your voice. Three words. Yeah. It's insane. So the reason that I don't want to go too deep onto this, but I haven't seen, maybe I'm just not in the world, but the, how long it took for us to decode the DNA sequence I want to say seven, eight years. Like mm-hmm. it was a long time. Give that to AI, and it's just I'm assuming. I it's did it the other day. Insane, right? So yeah, I, I went on to I went on to Chat GPT website, and I was like, "Give me primers and probes for Aspergillus fumigatus." And it popped it out. Five oh seconds, it was done. Wow. And of course, like you have to double check it. Oh, and, and that's yes. that's that's, that's what it I all. used it as the jumping point to say, okay, well, let me go look at the um, let me go look at some research and see what the actual like, genome yeah. is yep. and see if these primers and probes that this AI system generated like for me out, yeah. actually makes sense. I really and did they? They didn't, not, not perfectly, but I'll tell you what, they were in a pretty good spot. It cuts down a lot of the hard work. It wrote full code for me two weeks ago. Like yeah. I did a full you just have to You have to know what to fix. You to have kinda, to know what to check. Yeah, and how to talk to it and your prompts and stuff. Um, I have not even thought about Bioengineering with AI. Not, oh no! If I was you started stone, something. Be, that is, I'm gonna go <laughs> deep into some YouTube yeah. on that That's one. That's the, insane. The um, okay, so real quick, four years from now, job in the yeah. So I want to I want to take my I want to take my genomics experience, and in four years, I'm either in grad school working on a PhD, or I am embedded in a group that is doing research. Um, working on ecosystem restoration and management. Um, so those are the two things that I'm either, I'm either in a group that I feel really connected with yeah. within that field of eco restoration management, or I've already met those people and they're like, go get a PhD so you can come back and help us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. To kind of have that. Yeah. You know, go learn even more to come back to help us. Yeah. Or, or, you know, the PhD is happening at the same time. That 
I'm very envious of going through that process, not going to lie. I think having a PhD, it's, it's right. we're kind of relating to your um, military stint. Like getting through boot camp to say you got through boot camp is you'll forever have that. No matter mm. if you never touch anything to deal with Army, Navy, wherever the hell, like any sort of military-esque, you got through boot camp, you can hold your head up high. Getting through and having your PhD, I don't care if you never do anything with the PhD, to say that you had a PhD is fucking awesome. I think that's such a cool And we have to call him doctor. Mm, yeah. <laughs> so, I can only imagine what uh, they're uh, behind the door uh, is going to yeah. be happening. Sorry, Megan, but <laughs> <laughs> Dr. Nathan. It's going to so be, cool. hey, hey, take that shot, doctor's orders. Hell yeah. yeah. Alright, well, cheers. We are yes. well over our time normally. Nathan, thank you yes, so much. Thank is you. It, do you like going by Nathan? Nate? You can call me Nate. Nate? Okay, cool. with oh, it. Nate. It's going to be Dr. Nate, by the yeah, way. Oh, I like it, Dr. Nate. Yeah. Yes, Nate. Thank you so much for coming on, man. This yeah. was beautiful. This is great. Cheers. 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 Good job. All right, that's it for session 11. It was an absolute blast to get to know Dr. Nate. Extremely excited to get to know him more and for him to join us here in the next month or so to check in about how his studies are going, how him and Megan are going, how his life is going. Very excited to bring him back. As always, if you are not following us yet, please join us on Instagram at atmyagepod, P-O-D. We are so close, and just maybe by the time you're listening to this, we've hit 100 followers, which is absolutely bonkers to me. But thank you all so much for the support. If you or anyone that you know wants to jump on this podcast, please do not hesitate to reach out. Slide into those DMs. Shoot us a text. Send a pigeon, whatever you need to do. We would love to have you on. And we're jumping straight into session 12. That will be out later this week with a good friend of ours, Bianca. She has her own adventures coming up with her own business. I'm extremely excited to get to know her more and to hear about what she's doing. But as always, thank you all so much for listening. Thank you for the support. And we cannot wait to get back to you. Until then, enjoy life. Enjoy everything you have to live for. And we will talk to you soon.